Hello and welcome to Match Day FM. It's Morgan and it's deflected in out of absolutely nothing. Curzon and Ashton lead. Dixie to Hardy. Hardy in behind. Hardy past the goalkeeper. Hardy into the goal. 2-1 filed. Chance of Colin Day is bobbling everywhere again. The other shot. And it's in. It's a record for Colin Day. It's been coming. What a gap and he goes through it. And Akron gets the first try of the game for Siddle. Dan Bradley on his debut scores his first goal for Files. They've got it with Smith. They've got it with Smith. They've got a score with Smith. Unbelievable. Great chance. They've won it. Ashton have won it. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Ringcraft podcast brought to you by Matchday FM. I'm Kieran Makin and I'm back with Sam Jordan after a couple of weeks off uh, for a blockbuster Saturday night, Sam. Uh, blockbuster weekend, shall we say, of boxing. When is it? Never. Uh, and our main focus, Sam, obviously, is going to be the heavyweight clash between Derek Chisora and Joseph Parker and obviously the chocker undercard. What's coming with that as well, mate? Um, let's start with the, the big one, the main event. Uh, Derek Chisora versus Joseph Parker, and just get your initial thoughts ahead of ahead of the weekend. Yeah, well, it's a big fight, isn't it? It's, it's one that's been in the works for a while now. Obviously, the famous uh, spider bite uh, derailed the fight. Uh, how long ago was that? Now uh, it was been a couple of years ago, wasn't it? So about eighteen uh, months, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think it was uh, two thousand nineteen, wasn't it? something like that. Yeah, so maybe yeah, maybe eighteen months. Um, but yeah, it's been a fight that's been in the works for a while. Uh, makes sense for both fighters, really. Um, definitely Derek Chisora, considering obviously his, his previous outing against uh, Alexander Usyk. Definitely makes sense for him. And, and for Parker, it's one that probably makes less sense to him now after his victory against Junior Farr. But um, still a good a good yardstick fight, really, for Parker to see where he's at, especially you know with, with, with a new training regime and a new training team. Um, and one where if, you know, we're really going to find out whether he can push on towards, um, you know, regaining his world title. He needs to be dispatching of people like Derek Chisora. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a good fight, interesting matchup, and one I'm very much looking forward to. Who do you think is in a better place coming into it, Sam? And I know they both. Uh, sorry, Chisora lost last time out, and obviously Parker won. But Chisora lost in probably a, a credible fashion against Alexander Usyk, whereas Joseph Parker wasn't very impressive, was he, against Junior Far? So who do you think is coming in it in a better place? I mean, I'll be honest, Key. I, I can't remember the last time I seen Joseph Parker look particularly impressive. Probably, probably Dillian White really for the first three rounds against Dillian White, and then after that he he, uh, he slowed down, didn't he? But uh, yeah, I mean, realistically, I mean, when, when was it? Chisora before two six? Was it, was it February? October. October. Sorry, yeah, yeah, October. Obviously, Far was rearranged. One with uh, with um, Far was rearranged, wasn't it? With uh, with Parker, so obviously that only took place not so not so long ago, February maybe something like that. So, um, yeah, I, I I don't know because obviously Tazor actually gave a good account of himself, didn't he? Against Usyk, for me, still clearly lost the fight. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. Obviously, he did lose the fight with Parker. Obviously, got the win, but you'd have to say Usyk's a much more credible opponent than the Junior Far, wouldn't you? So. I don't know. I feel like they probably both feel like they've, they've both got, you know, maybe the slight edge in terms of competition, should we say, uh, faced. Um, obviously, Cesare um, will feel like he's beaten him at the better man, although he lost. And um, Parker, obviously, feel like he got a good win against a WBO rank contender. So, yeah, for me, I think, I think probably about the same, really. Um, 
so it's just Parker, obviously, he's they've both got new trainers, haven't they? Obviously, Des is always with uh, Buddy McGirt now, you know, and uh, uh, Joseph Parker has obviously moved on to uh, Andy Lee, um, formerly in the, in the corner of Tyson Fury, wasn't he? So, uh, yeah, it, it's just going to be interesting. I, I don't feel like that's good. The, the previous opponents are going to play too much of an issue in this fight. I feel like it's basically who's who forces their will and skill on the other one more um, is going to win this fight. And yeah, that's what I think it's going to come down to come Saturday night. I was going to ask you about the uh, the trainers, but you've you've just covered it there. Obviously, a big change for Joseph Parker moving from you know long time trainer Kevin Barry to Andy Lee. Um, has obviously been sparring with Tyson Fury as well. Derek Chisora obviously. 1-1, one, one, Sam points to me about Manchester United. <laughs> uh, and obviously Derek Chisora, um, before he's lost to Alexander Usyk, you know, was, even though we'd, you know, he's, he's had a few losses, hasn't he, Chisora, but he's always seemed to have the crowd on his side, particularly in the later, you know, years of his of his career, really. So um, the question I put to you, Sam, now is, well, a couple of questions. Uh, do you think it's a 50-50 fight? And if it is, who do you think is going to win it? And how? <laughs> Uh, oh, I'll, I'll cover what you said firstly about the trainers. Obviously, <sighs> Derek Zora isn't going to change, is he? That that's the thing. No matter who trains him, whether it's you know Buddy McGee, Dave Caldwell, um, Don Charles, it doesn't really matter who trains Derek Zora uh, from a technical viewpoint because he's, he's going to be a comfortable fighter. He's going to be someone who, who throws punches in in, uh, in bunches and will look to unload and, and force his style of fighting onto his opponent. Joseph Park is the interesting one going into this. What has Handy Lee managed to change in the two two months or so that he's been working with Joseph Parker? For me, I felt like it was a good time in his career to make the change. I'll be honest, Kia, you know, as, as I've sort of just mentioned before, he, he hasn't really looked particularly great in any of his performances other than Dillian White the first few rounds. I mean, I'm, even if you take, you know, the Anthony Joshua performance before that, um, he, he, he wasn't particularly great in that fight either. Hasn't really looked great for a while. Um, even when he won the title against Andy Ruiz, he wasn't great. Um, probably did enough to win, but very, very close decision. Um, you know, he, he wasn't great in the Huey Fiori fight, so it definitely made sense for him to make a change um, to, his, to his training team. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does. One thing Andy Lee is known for is power. You know, he, he knows how to, you know, he, well, he's saying he was, you know, in his own career, how to sit down on shots. He was obviously out at the infamous Kronk gym. Uh, so he, he knows all about um, punch selection and uh, timing of shots and, you know, sitting down on shots properly. So it'd be interesting to see whether, he can, whether Joseph Parker has improved in that aspect of his game. Because if he has, then he has the potential to, to, to push Derek to all it back. Uh, if he hasn't, then. It could be a long night for him. I mean, as we've seen against Dillian White, Joseph Parker has the skills to outbox a lot of heavyweight opponents. He is a good boxer. He is a better boxer than what he is a fighter. However, I just, I'm not sure if he can keep Teddy Cesaro off him for 12 rounds if he chooses to fight like that. Um, I'll be very surprised, especially with the fact that he's only had a two month. I know, obviously, he, he, he had a camp prior to Junior Far. But he's only had two months working with you know with, with, with his couldn't train Andy Lee. So um I think that's a big ask for him to try and outbox that it's all for, for twelve rounds. Um is he as good as Usyk uh, as a boxer? No, he isn't. And for me, Derek Chisora still won, you know, four or five of the rounds against Usyk. So if he can take that many rounds off Alexander Usyk, who's, who's regarded as one of the best boxers, shall we say, uh, around, certainly in the heavyweight division. 
then can Joseph Parker do the same? I don't think he can be an honest. I don't think he can fight that type of fight. So it boils down to whether Parker can sit down enough on his shots, unleash some bombs, and force that to Zora backwards. Um, now, we've seen Dillian White wasn't really able to do that to Zora. He caught him, didn't he, with, you know, with a big, big left hook to what, you know, in the, uh, in the 11th round. In the first fight, you know, Chisora took every single shot that uh, White threw at him. So he's a tough man, Zora, really tough to stop. Um, but that's, that's what Parker's got to do. I'm being honest, in terms of who I see winning the fight, I, I, I edge towards Chisora. Um, just on that basis, I just don't think that Parker's going to be able to push him back. Um, and I feel like it's all about working. Listen, Parker's got a chin made of steel himself. You know, he's proven he can take a shot. He's only ever been dropped once in his career. He's been in with some, you know, he's been in with Anthony Josh, one of the biggest punching heavyweights. Um, he's been in with Dillian White, who again is a big punching heavyweight. He got dropped by Dillian White. He got up. He, you know, he nearly had White out of there himself in the 12th. So he's proven he's a tough, tough man. And he'll go all the way to the end. I just don't think. The circumstances have played into his hands in terms, of, you know, the change of trainers, uh, how long he's had camp, um, and I just don't think I don't think Chisora's style is particularly one that Joseph Parker will be able to deal with for twelve rounds. You know, he might he might be able to deal with it for a few rounds, but whether he can deal with it for twelve, I'm not so sure. And I, I feel like Ted Chisora will end up outworking him and should win enough rounds just by doing that. Key outworking him. I think that as well, personally, to be honest, I think Parker will try and box him. But then, obviously, I think because, you know, Chisora's style and the size of him, to be honest, he's a big guy, you know, eventually, at some point, I feel like there'll be a breaking point and, and, and Parker will have to maybe go toe-to-toe with him. And if they go toe-to-toe, then again, yeah, my heart goes with Derek Chisora, I think. Um, what are you saying, Sam? Stoppage then? Chisora stoppage, would you say? Or maybe points? Yeah, I'm, I'm edging towards points just surely based on the toughness of Joseph Parker, I'll be honest. You know, he, he, he's a tough opponent himself. This and is also a tough, tough man. Everyone knows that. Um, you know, he, he, he would literally, he would rather die than, than lose in a boxing ring, Derek Chisora. Certainly the new Derek Chisora, anyway. You know, the Derek War Chisora rather than Derek Delboy. Um, he really, really does go to war every single time he, he gets in a boxing ring. But Joseph Parker's, Never ever been stopped. He's always had, you know, a really durable chin. Um, and I, I just don't see how he gets stopped. But I can see Derek Chisora really getting on top of him down the street. And if that happens, then Joseph Parker's in for a real tough night on Saturday night. Um, and yeah, I do fancy going to points. Um, I do think, though, that key that being honest, Dillian White is a better boxer than. Derek Chisora. Derek Chisora, let's be honest, is, is a brawler, really. You know, he, he's not someone who's ever really, you know, that might be discrediting his boxing ability slightly, but, you know, he is a fighter. He's, he's not he's not a boxer. He never has been someone who, you know, who, who he's not even like AJ, where, you know, he, um, he he puts his jab together well and then, you know, play one, two combination. He's just someone who comes forward and looks to land his power shots. Um, and he always has been that way. So that, which is why I said before that the change in training for him won't really change anything, really, um, in terms of his style. Uh, I just, I, I, yeah, I, I see Tazora winning. I do, I, I do see, I do see how Parker can win. Though, I'll be honest, I, I think mm. if Parker nicks enough of the early rounds, Parker could win this on a points decision. But I do feel like Derek Tazora will catch up with him late. So, I think they, I, I, go on, mate. Sorry. Yeah, just 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 to finish, I do feel like it just depends for me how late Derek Chisora catches up with um, uh, Joseph Parker. 
because if he catches up with him quite early on, then it's going to be a long night. I think he'll win a lopsided points decision. If he catches up with him late, then Parker could do enough in the early rounds to potentially get the decision, or Dedich's order will, will take over in the later rounds and you know and and it win enough of them to to be. To, to win by a narrow margin. But I do think it'll be on points. I mean, if I was going to bet on anything, it'll be on points. That's Dennis' order. I think I got points and Chisora as well, but it'd be tight. Maybe even a split decision, something like that. And I wouldn't be surprised if it went the other way, to be honest. It is going to be tight. And, you know, I asked you, did you think it was a 50-50 fight? I think it's fair to say we both agreed that it's a 50-50 fight. Absolutely. So definitely looking forward to that one. Um, we'll move on, Sam. We'll get stuck into the rest of the card because it is shocker. And we'll go to the chief support, shall we? You know, all-female clash. Katie Taylor versus Natasha Jonas um, for the unified, undisputed, lightweight female world championship. Um, it's almost 10 years, Sam, since the pair of them um, met in the Olympic Games. Um, our very own match day FM's Chris Coughlin did an interview with uh, Natasha Jonas, sorry, not too long ago uh, for Radio Merseyside. Um, sent me a clip, few clips earlier about what she was saying. And yeah, obviously this week in the build-up, Sam, Natasha Jonas is really confident in her ability. Feels like she's got the power to stop Katie Taylor feels like there's vulnerabilities, you know, in the last few fights with Katie Taylor, you know, particularly against Delphine Pursun. Um, what do you think? Do you think Natasha Jonas has a real chance? You know, it's a different ball game, isn't it? The professionals, the amateurs. Yeah, I mean, obviously on, on one of the previous uh, podcasts that we did, Katie, you know, I, I was very vocal in, in the fact that I felt like Natasha Jonas had been very, very uh, unlucky. Um especially, you know, after the Teddy Arthur fight, I felt like that was her moment. So I felt like, you know, she should have got the immediate rematch and, and what have you. But, you know, obviously she's been given this fight with, with, with Katie Taylor. I, I did cover in that podcast. I felt like, you know, she should have had, she should be, you know, going into this fight as world champion, as a super featherweight world champion and and, and stepping up to, to, to fight Katie Taylor, you know, for, for, for the lightweight championship. But um, I, I'll be honest, um, I do feel like she's drew the short story here. Um, I do feel like uh, both Natasha Jonas and Joe Gallagher are clutching the straws to say that uh, Katie Taylor is on the is on the demise. Um, she has been not short of brilliant. Katie Taylor, listen the way she fights. The problem with Katie Taylor is, and she knows it herself, and her own team have said it, is that she loves her, she loves to tear up, mm. even though she's a, an immaculate boxer. Brilliant boxer, brilliant boxing skills. She does like a tail. So sometimes she can get embroiled. Now, if Gallagher and Jonas uh, refer to them instances where she has become involved in a tail up, then yeah, fair enough. I, I can see the, the point where they're coming from. But say she's deteriorating and, and over the hill is wider than a mark for me. I, you know, she's brilliant. Um, she has been brilliant. She's been nothing short of brilliant every single time I've watched her, uh, other than Pursuum One, where I felt like she. Um, was probably uh, a little bit stunned, I think, by by Pursuit's tactics, the relentlessness of it of Pursuit. I do feel like she lost that fight, I'll be honest. Um, but you know, she other than that, she's been brilliant. I mean, even the Pursuit rematch, um, you know, she she was by far and away the, the better fight in that in, in that uh, in that match up, and you know, deservedly won the fight. Um, Natasha Jonas, in terms of in terms of her chances, listen, she's got a chance. You know, she puts her shots well together together well. She is a good technician, but I just feel like Katie Taylor is a better technician and she's quicker. She has more she has more things going for her than Natasha Jones. If you put the two two of them together in terms of um, you know, what do they do better than the other one? Katie Taylor does a lot more better than what 
Natasha Jonas does. I'd, may, I'd maybe say Jonas maybe has the edge in terms of power, but other than that, I wouldn't say anything else. I think everything else is in Katie Taylor's favour, I'll be honest with you, Key. And that's why, you know, I felt like um, when I said to you on the previous podcast that, you know, Natasha Jones could count herself hard done by it. You know, she definitely can do because she, you know, that the, the, the Terry Arthur fight was a big moment for me. And and, and the Jonas fight, is it, it's a big fight because obviously the history behind it, you know, obviously, you know, the Olympic Games. But let's be honest, you know, Taylor won that comfortably as well. You know, she won that handily and, I just think she's too good. I don't, I don't think anyone around their weight class will be able to beat her. I'll be honest. Anywhere between 130 to 140, I don't think anyone can beat her. How do you think she wins them, Katie Taylor? Lopsided points decision, being honest. Um, she's, um, she's a special talent, real special talent. You know, I'm not saying anything different here to what anyone else has said about her. She's, you know, a shot selection's brilliant. Feet really good. Um, she throws, you know, well to the head and body. She's got a good jab. You know, she's tough in there as well. She's been, you know, she's had the ch- uh, chin tested a couple of times, and you know, she's she's a real all-round fighter, real complete fighter, and one that I really enjoy watching. And, and for me, is the best fighter in, in women's boxing. Um, period. Um, you know, Clarissa Shields might have something to say about that, but. They'll never ever get to settle it because Kalesha Shields is just too big and Katie Taylor's, you know, obviously a lot smaller. She's in the smaller weights. But listen, that's not to discredit Kalesha Shields and anything she's done. And, you know, she's obviously a three weight world champion, you know, two of them undisputed. But I just, she's just, Katie Taylor's a, f- a phenomenal fighter. And I just think, in terms of what she's got in an arsenal, you know, it's like anything, you know, we were to look at the, um, at the men's, you know, and, and people say about the pound for pound rankings in the men's, you know. Yeah. Tyson Fury's a brilliant boxer, you know, he's probably on everyone's top 10 pound for pound or, you know, but does that, just because he's bigger, does that make him better than, say, a Vasyl Lomachenko or a, or a, or a, a Saul Canelo Alvarez? No, it doesn't, does it? You know what I mean? You, you know, you've got to go off, you know, which fighter's got the best all-round game and I just feel like Katie Taylor's game is better than Clarissa Shields, being honest, and Clarissa Shields is definitely the number two, but um, I do feel like if, you know, they're both the same size and both met, um, in the ring, I, I do, I do, I, I would say I would definitely edge towards Katie Taylor because I feel like her all round skill set is better than Clarissa Shields, being honest. I'm going to go for unanimous points decision for Katie Taylor as well. Um, I feel like the way she boxed in the Pursuit rematch was superb. I think she'll have learned from the first Pursuit match because I think deep down inside she knows that maybe she lost that fight and she got you know dragged into a tear up, which is what Jonas will want her to do. I think Jonas's whole game plan relies on dragging Katie Taylor to a bit of scrap and hopefully landing a, a power shot, to be honest. I don't think she has the output, though, Pursuit, to, to, to sort of engage Katie Taylor. It's like Pursuit was relentless, wasn't she, all night? She was brilliant, to be fair to her. You know, she, she just, a bit like Delboy, you know, just was just in front of her all night. Couldn't Katie Taylor couldn't get out the way, couldn't get away from her, and it was relentless to watch. Sasha Jones isn't that type of fighter. She's not someone who's going to be relentless. She, she's not someone who sets a relentless pace. She's someone who is, um, I would say, she's more of a counter puncher. Um, Sasha Jones, you know, she she throws the shots very technically well, um, but she's not someone who's renowned for for being that sort of relentless pressure fighter. So, and I think that they, that's the type of fighter that Katie Taylor struggles with the most. Counter punches aren't really going to be 
be able to live with Katie Taylor because she throws that many shots that quickly that you're just not going to be able to get your counter punches off. Natasha Jonas's main hope in this fight is if she catches Katie Taylor clean with a big shot. And she can't listen. She, she is capable of doing that. There's no debate about that. She throws her shots well enough technically to catch Katie Taylor with a clean shot. But it's like anything, Katie. It's like, you know, if you go into a... If it's a boxer going in against a puncher, you give people a puncher chance, and that's exactly what I give Natasha Jones. I give her a puncher chance going into this fight. Let's look at the rest of the undercard, Sam, and the two other uh, big fights, in inverted commas, that were announced initially, you know, way back when, when we did the episode a couple of months ago, you know, remember when the show was first announced, and we both were in agreement that these two fights stink, really, and I'm, I don't think our opinion's going to change. Let's start with um, Dimitri Bivol versus Craig Spider-Richards for the WBA um, super light heavyweight title now. Um, yeah. We were of the opinion last time, Sam, that it's a good opportunity for Craig Richards, one that's difficult to turn down, obviously, but he has been thrown to the wolves a little bit, hasn't it? And probably been sacrificed to introduce Bivol to a British audience, would you say? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're totally right. Um you know, as we covered on the podcast when the, the it was first mooted, uh, this fight, it stinks. The fight stinks. I've got no interest in the fight, I'll be honest. Um, my only interest is to see whether Craig Richards can pull off the unthinkable. But that's exactly what it is. It's the unthinkable. Um, he's, you know, he's been thrown to the wolves, hasn't he? Um, and listen, I'm sure he'd be grateful because, you know, this world title, he was miles away from the world title shot, let's be honest. He was absolutely miles away. Um he was miles behind Josh Bratty. So how on earth um, Kay Richards got a title shot ahead of Joshua Bratty is absolutely unbelievable. But the reason he's got one is because, as you say, they were looking to introduce Bivol to the UK public um, and they wanted to beef up the card, being honest. you know, they, they, they wanted another World Championship fight on the card. And to get that, um, they've had to bring in an opponent who, one, Bivol is, is more than expected to beat, but two, the, you know, one that uh, sorry, second reason, and another opponent who isn't really going to cost them too much either. I'd imagine Craig Richards' fee for this fight isn't going to be astronomical. It might be a career high payday for him, but it's not going to be massive in terms of you know world title title fight. So, uh, yeah, no interest in the fight whatsoever. You know, listen, I'll probably watch the fight uh, because it's on the card, but um, we all know which way it's going to go. Okay, and I'll be very surprised if it's anything other than a bit of if it goes the way of Richards, I'm telling you now, it's one of, if not the biggest upset I'll have seen, probably. Um, it would be right up there. Yeah, it's the biggest upset in British boxing history for me. Um, even bigger than Anthony Joshua Ruiz. Because at least for Ruiz, he was he might he was a massive underdog going into the fight, but he, he was he was a live opponent, he was well respected around the world. He was well respected by the boxing fraternity. He was well respected within the game. Lots of people were saying that Ruiz wasn't a pushover. They still might have picked Joshua, but they were saying Ruiz wasn't a pushover. And this is a, a good fight for Joshua, and even a harder fight than what Jarrell Miller's original opponent back then was. So, but I've not seen or heard of anyone who's given Craig Richards a prey in this in this fight. So, you know, for me, I'll be honest, Keith. I never, very, very rarely ever see this. There's no way other than a, a, a real lucky punch to Craig Well, not even lucky, a real well-timed punch to Craig Richards win this fight. I just don't see how he wins. 
Listen, I'll get behind him because obviously he's the home fighter and, you know, I'll back him. And fair play for taking the opportunity. It's a big opportunity to, to go for. But for me, Sam, I don't. I can't see going past three rounds. Um, I can't see going past three rounds. It's 2-1 to Man United, is it, Sam? <laughs> Roma. Roma. To Roma, bloody hell, turn up for the books. Um, I can't see going past three rounds. So I think Bivol will stop him in three rounds. What do you think? Um, I think I feel like it could go a little bit longer than that, which is a proud man, isn't he? You know, and he took he shipped a lot of punishment when he fought uh, Frank Buglioni, was he? Uh, when he lost, it was, yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I think it might go a bit longer than that, but I'd be very and, and Bivol's not known for being the biggest of punches, but I'd be surprised if Bivol doesn't get him out of there. I'll be honest. Uh, let's move on to the next or the second inverted commas big fight. Uh, which was initially announced, and it's the return of Chris Eubank Jr. after over a year out of the ring, Sam. Um, and he's fighting Marcus Morrison. Morrison, sorry, Morrison. Marcus Morrison. Um, again, probably an, another one that stinks. Really, I think we said that on the last episode. Uh, sorry, not the last episode. The episode when it was announced. And um, listen, Marcus Morrison started off promising in his career, had a couple of shock defeats, and then um, he did get a, a decent win. You know, I don't think if it was last time out or the fight before that over in Italy, but. Uh, he doesn't stand a chance here, does he, against Chris Eubank Jr.? Uh, I would say he stands more of a chance than um, Craig Richards, but only slightly. Um, just really based on the fact that Eubank is not the same pedigree as Bivol, really. Um, Marcus Morrison is probably on a similar level to Craig Richards uh, in terms of what they've achieved in the game. Um, maybe actually slightly below Craig Richards, maybe harsh on Craig Richards. I'm sure he's a British title. Holder, light heavy. Um, but yeah, I, I think maybe in saying, you know, they're, they're both sort of British level, aren't they? Which is why um, I, I made that last comment. Um, yeah, Marcus Morrison might might have a, a slightly bigger chance because Chris Eubank obviously is not the same pedigree. Uh, it hasn't been the same uh, sort of company as, as Dimitri Bivol. But um, yeah, again, it's another. It's another shocker, really, isn't it? It's another one to pad out the cards. Another one, you know, they're using the name of Chris Eubank to try and sell some pay per views. And yeah, it's one that I expect Chris Eubank to win. One I expect him to win comfortably, really. And, and I will be very surprised if this one doesn't end by knockout. When do you think it'll, the knockout will come, obviously? And also, um, what do you think the plan is for Chris Eubank Jr.? Because um, he's had a bit of a topsy turvy career, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think the knockout will come in like in the middle, sort of middleish rounds, uh, round four onwards, maybe to round right, between four and eight. I think it'll come. Uh, in terms of where do we see Chris Eubank going? Mm, it's tough, really, because I keep every single time Chris Eubank makes a change, whether it's you know leaving uh, Hennessy to go to Matchroom or Matchroom to then go to. ITV with Poxon and then from ITV to go to PBC and, then, and now he's gone back to he's gone to the Salomon brothers you know with Vassalman and yeah I, I don't know being honest with you Key the, 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 the honest answer is I don't know um, I don't know where this leaves them uh, but what what Chris Eubank wants to be active doesn't he? he wants to try and get out there a bit more often but the problem you've got is, is that he's a tough negotiator and he, you know someone who demands big money and um you know, he's got a huge profile, so to try and get him out regularly is tough. And I'm sure there's plenty of people who want to smash it, smash his face in. You know what I mean? He's not the most like character within within boxing, is he? So there's plenty of people who want to do that to him. Uh, 
But it's whether anyone can put up the money to get, get Chris Eubank in the ring, really. Uh, you know, we've seen how difficult that is for him. You know, he's, he hasn't fought since he beat Matt Colorbuff. Um So, be difficult. A lot will depend here on this, you know, upcoming uh, decision of match rooms, you know, to see where they go. Because obviously, Chris Eubank's trying to vass him in now, isn't he? So, um, you know, with the Salomon brothers. Uh, obviously, everyone's sort of waiting to see what Matchroom do, you know, with the UK broadcast uh, deal. Uh, obviously, if they sign up the zone, then that frees up sky slots for everybody else, you know. So I'd imagine Vassiman would, would try and bid to get in there along with LCS then and a few other promoters. So, uh, yeah, a lot hinges on that, really. Uh, but Chris Eubank will just want to be active, being honest. He just wants to get active. He wants the big fights, doesn't he? I mean, Eddie's discussed. Uh, today about potentially matching up with Demetrius Andrade uh, over in uh, over here in the UK, which is a good mm-hmm. fight, big fight for both fighters. Uh, again, I make Andrade massive favourite in that fight, uh, based off his last performance and um, against Liam Williams, and uh, based on whenever whenever I've seen him, really, he's always looked a top quality um, opponent, really. So, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know where he goes, but maybe. I do think he's got his eyes maybe on that on that WBO middleweight title, and I do think maybe Demetrius Andrade is, is probably the the one that makes most sense for Chris Eubank. Being honest, that's a fight I'd like to see. I think that would be a really good matchup, and uh, I'm also going to go for a Chris Eubank stoppage round five, round six, something like that. Um, let's crack on with the rest of the card, Sam, because there's obviously been. Um, more fights added since we last covered it and, you know, and, and, and decent fights as well, really. You know, James Tennyson is on the card fighting Yovani Strafon for the IBO world lightweight title. Again, world title, but not really one of the recognised, you know, big four, shall we say. Um, we've got the return of Campbell Hatton making his second professional appearance. Um, and obviously, uh, Scott Fitzgerald back on the card. You know, we've been out the game for a long time. Um, since that, you know, uh, win over Anthony Fowler and the win over uh, Ted Cheeseman. Um, and do you think those three will get on, Sam? Do you think they'll all do the business? Um, well, yeah, obviously, it's just just added today as well. The, the Romford Bull, Johnny Fisher's uh, yeah. fighting as well. So uh, that's one more fight that's on the card. But in terms of the three that you asked for, I mean, Johnny Fisher, being honest, will be a blowout, wasn't it? I think it's only his second or third fight, so I'd imagine that. He will have a, a walk over. Uh, Campbell Atten, similar. I, I think he's fighting an opponent that's not four, so uh, we'll see the one four. So I, I'd expect him to win that. Uh, Campbell Atten could be in for a sticky, sticky time though if he fights anything like he doesn't. Uh, he did in the first uh, his first outing over in Gibraltar. So one to keep an eye on. Uh, in terms of James Tennyson, he's fighting for the IBO World Title, isn't he? Um, he is, yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's one that's not necessarily recognised by um, the wider. Boxing public has been a um, a genuine world title, but uh, he is fighting for it at the weekend. It's one I expect him to come through nicely, and then maybe maybe it puts him in position maybe to try and challenge uh, one of the big boys at lightweight. Um, you know, the problem is is that one of the big boys at lightweight. You know, they're all superstars, aren't they? You know, so trying to get James Tennyson in the ring with one of them is going to be difficult. So, which is probably why Eddie's tried to get him a shot at the IBO. Um, but yeah, we'll just have to wait and see what happens with James Tennyson. Really, I do expect him to come through that one quite comfortably. Uh, and uh, last but not least, the Madman back. Uh, yeah, I've been really looking forward to this. Obviously, one Kane, you know, we, we've spoken about it numerous times off air. He's one, one of our uh, uh, favorite fighters. His knees. He's um, he's had a very, really, really 
Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, he's had a really interesting career, hasn't he? Um, full of ups and downs. Uh, I remember when he first switched over um, and there wasn't much fanfare around him. He was actually like boxing like really low down on cards and in like Liverpool when he was on matchroom shows. Then he was on like VIP shows in Preston, even though he was signed by matchroom. Uh, and then he nearly got stopped on a show. I think it was in Liverpool. He went to war with a journeyman, and like everyone was thinking, "Oh, what's what's like, what's going on with this fellow?" Like you know what I mean? He's Commonwealth gold, uh, Commonwealth Games medalist. Um, what's going on with him? I mean, what might have even been a gold medalist actually? But you know what? What's the score with him? You know he's meant to be really standout amateur, and he's going, you know, he's going on absolute wars with bombs. Uh, well, actually, that's so disrespectful, isn't it? But with journeyman, so to speak. Um, so, uh, yeah, and then all of a sudden, you know, he goes into the Fowler fight, the Anthony Fowler fight, where he was a massive underdog in that fight. Um, obviously, got backed in late to to five to one, but even then, five to one is still a big price, uh, especially you know in a sport where only two can win. Um, and you know, he he ended up uh, putting Anthony Fowler on his backside and, and winning. Um, you know, on Father's home turf in Liverpool, which, you know, went down actually surprisingly well in Liverpool. Um, obviously, Anthony Fowler is very much marmite and split opinion across the city, so went down quite well. Um, went down well around the country as well. Obviously, catapulted himself really into the big time, didn't he, with that performance? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, then goes on to, to fight Ted Cheeseman for the British in, in, in Newcastle on the Lewis on the card. For me, was fortunate to get the decision in that. In that fight, I think I remember saying at the time, I, I thought at the time watching the fight back, I actually thought Fitzgerald won the fight. He come back into it quite well. And um, Cheeseman started really, really well. And I felt like Sky were sort of maybe over praising, uh, over praising Cheeseman's work in that fight originally when I first watched the fight. But I've since watched it back and I do feel like Cheeseman edged it. I do feel like Fitzgerald finished strong and maybe took five of the rounds. But do you feel like Cheeseman's done enough early on to maybe nick the fight? Um, so he was a bit fortunate there, Fitzgerald, in my opinion. But he is exciting, isn't he? He's someone who goes to the body well. He's a big body puncher. Um, has big power in the left hand. You know, he loves the left hook, uh, left hook as well. So, um, yeah, he's a character. Um, someone who's brilliant for the game. And, and hopefully he, just, he can just keep his, his troubles at bay and keep his mind at bay. Because when Scott Fitzgerald's on it, we've seen when he's up for it, like he was in the, you know, the anti-fowler. Uh, fight he's really tough to beat. You know, he ships some punishments in that anti father fight. Um in, in the ninth round he looked like he was out on his feet and you know comes back in the tenth round and, and you know drops Fowler, someone who's notorious for being tough himself and then you know nearly gets him out of there in the tenth round. So um it's just great to have him back and, and hopefully you know he can stay injury free, focused, um Get his weight down. I mean, his fight the weekend's a super middleweight. He's obviously campaigns normally a super welterweight, so he needs to come down another stone. So, uh, yeah, hopefully he gets his weight down. And, uh, yeah, we can see Scott Fitzgerald in some big domestic matchups with the likes of Cheeseman. Uh, Fowler rematches, obviously, Keenan Con- the winner, Keenan Conway and uh, uh, Sissoko. Um, obviously, JJ Metcalf. There's all big, there's lots and lots of big fights there for him in, in the super welterweight division. It's just great to see him back. Absolutely, second that, and we want to see him happy and fit, and it's just good to see him back fighting. Obviously, I want to see the Fowler rematch. I'd love to see the Cheeseman rematch as well. In terms of Johnny Fisher and Campbell Hatton, you know, exciting to see them continue their professional journeys, the fanfare going on around Campbell Hatton as well. And yeah, James Tennyson, 
like you said, I expect him to come through this one comfortably, pick up the IBO strap and, you know, go and test yourself against one of the big boys if, if you can. The Matchday FM podcast, available now on Apple and Spotify. You know, that, that card wraps up, Sam. That's in uh, Manchester. We're going to stay in Britain because there is another world title fight um, in York. Uh, uh, sorry, in York, in London, at the York Hall, even, not in York. Um, Sonny Edwards fights for the IBF uh, World Flyweight title, Sam, against experienced South African, and I think I've got this right, Marute Mthalane? Mthalane? Something like that, anyway. I'm going to let you pronounce it. Um... Yeah, I've not a clue. I had a go. Um, but that is a, a, I mean, he's a tough, tough, Cookie, the South African, lots of experience and beat some big punches in that division. But a chance for Sonny Edwards to, uh, you know, put his name down in history? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, Sonny, it, it's been a long time coming sort of for Sonny Edwards, hasn't it? Because uh, obviously the flyweight division and the lowweight is generally uh, divisions that aren't necessarily stacked. So um, you tend to get your world title shot a little bit quicker. Charlie Edwards, was, his brother was quicker getting his world title shot, wasn't he? Um, his original one, I think, was after seven fights, wasn't it? Against a... Uh, John Real Casemiro, so mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's 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 taking a little while for Sonny to to, to get um, his world title shot, but one that he's for me he's deserving of, and one which you know as as long as he boxes to instructions, you know, Grant, obviously he's got Grant Smith in his corner, hasn't he? Um, he, he if he boxes to instructions and, and doesn't really get engaged, something which. Um, he doesn't tend to do, to be fair to him. Um, Sonny Edwards, he, he's very much a boxer. Um, he can he can definitely win this fight. I mean, um, the, the South African, uh, I'm going to call him Mifflin, just Maruti Mifflin. Uh, hopefully that is his pronunciation. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, he, he's ranked number two in the world. Um, at that weight, uh, he's obviously, I mean, I'm looking at his record now. Okay, he's 39 and two. Uh, 26 knockouts. He has been stopped twice, though. Um, but Sonny Edwards only having four knockouts on his record anyway. Uh, I don't see that being a problem. He, he has lost to Ian and he's done it. Um, uh, the South African. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's a tough fight to call, I'll be honest. He's unbeaten in... He was last beaten 12, 13 years ago. So, it is a really tough fight to call. But I do feel like Sonny Edwards is definitely capable. He's 15 and okay. He's never been beaten. And he's a great boxer. So, uh, in terms of uh, height-wise, they're both the same. Reach-wise, the other man's going to be relatively similar as well. So, for me, it just depends on Sonny. If Sonny Edwards can avoid getting engaging uh, in this fight, then, you know, he should have the better of it. In terms of from what I've been seeing and reading, um, he, he does seem to be the, the superior boxer. So, hopefully, he can avoid getting uh getting involved in a slugfest and uh, he can come out on top uh, in a points decision something he's, he's used to doing yeah if he sticks to his boxing I'd agree I think he can you know win on points he's got to avoid a war though uh, because that guy carries power did you say 26 knockouts in 39 fights that's a high knockout ratio for that kind of yeah. weight obviously been around 20, a long time 26, 26 knockouts 39 fights yeah yeah, so, yeah at that weight division that is, that is quite heavy handed isn't it yeah definitely so you know, I, I wouldn't fancy Sonny in that type of fight, but if he sticks to his boxing ability, he can definitely win on points. And obviously, being the younger man as well, Sam, you know, it does count for a lot. You, you do just get to a point where the body, you know, the the mind will do it, but the, 
the body won't follow whatever the saying is, you know what I mean? Or the body will do it, the mind won't follow, whichever it is. You get you eventually just get to a point where you're too old for it. So wish Sonny Edwards the best of luck. What I would say, Key, about, about this fight, which makes it even more interesting, is that uh, this guy has wins over Solani Tete, um, mm. who obviously you know, was known for beating Paul Butler on these shows um, all them years ago. Um, I say all them years ago, he absolutely destroyed uh, uh, Paul Butler, didn't he? Um, yeah. Back in 2015. And then, uh, I mean, Tete hasn't fought since a defeat to John Rio Casemiro in 2019, which is for his uh, WBO World Bantam title. Now, John Rio Casemiro was also knocked out by this South African. So, um, yeah, he's, he's got, as you mentioned before, he's got some decent names on his record. Um, so, it promises to be a tough fight for Sonny Edwards, but hopefully one that Sonny Edwards can, can come through and show, uh, show his true, true boxing potential. And that's actually on Friday night. I do apologise. So um, you don't have to miss it. It's not going to clash with the Chisora fight. You can watch that tomorrow on BT Sport and then flick over to Sky on uh, Sky Sports Pots of us on Saturday night and watch the Chisora Parker card. So a lovely weekend of boxing coming up. And, you know, Sam, just quickly to wrap up on, on this fight night, um, Mick Conlon, also on the undercard as well. Yeah, he is, yeah. Um, obviously, uh, Mick Conlon is... You know, very, very interesting fighter, isn't he? He's, he's someone who um, was made famous, really, for the, for the you know, his famous salute in the, um, after the amateur, uh, after his amateur career, you know, in particular the Olympic Games. Um, you know, he's had, he's had a good start to his pro career. He's, uh, he's someone who is probably on the cusp of a world title shot, maybe, um, at featherweight. Um, Probably needs another couple of fights. I'd say maybe one or two more fights um, before really stepping up to you know to, to the top names in that heavyweight division. But uh, he, he's on the right path. Adam Boob, obviously, uh, in his corner, uh, he knows exactly what to do with his fighters. Knows exactly what way to, to to push them at. And yeah, I think it's a matter of time maybe before McCollum uh, fights for a world title and wins a world title. Really, and brings it back home to Belfast. Definitely, he's a real talent, and uh, you know, look forward to seeing him. Hopefully, uh, get the, one of those world title fights in the, in the very near future. Um, to finish off, Sam, we'll do what we usually do and go from the UK to the US. And we mentioned him briefly earlier, but it's the return of uh, heavyweight, former world heavyweight champion Andy Ruiz. He fights Chris Ariola, um, well, in what will be the the early hours of Sunday morning over here, but Saturday night over in the states. Um, he's looking. In, Terrific shape or much better shape than he was for the Anthony Joshua rematch. Obviously, been training with Canelo Alvarez, his trainer, Eddie Renault. So, um, looking good, isn't he, Sam? Andy Ruiz, and, and I fancy him to, to do the business. Well, he's, he's looking better, Key. I'm not sure whether they looking good is a <laughs> looking good would be for me, would be someone like Anthony Joshua, you know. Um, but he is looking a hell of a lot better. Um, obviously, he was 300 and over three hundred pounds for the Anthony Joshua rematch, which is far too heavy for a man of his size. Um, so yeah, he's now down in the two two fifties. Um, so that's a massive, massive difference. Um, in terms of weight, he's lost over you know sixty pounds of weight. Uh, so fair play to Andy Ruiz. You know he's going to come in a hell of a lot lighter. Um, hopefully we get to see the best of him. As you said, I do fancy him in this matchup. Chris Ariola he hasn't fought since the rematch with Anthony Joshua in the back end of two thousand and nineteen. So. Um, Chris Adiola obviously 
oh, getting on a bit now. Is it? I think he's in his he's into his forties. Chris Arioli, you know, he's thirty-eight and six. Um, Sadly, you know, three uh, three losses by knockout. Um, lost his last fight to Adam Kalnach, who since got beat by Robert Alenius, who obviously Robert Alenius got beat by Damien White. So, um, yeah, I, I was fancy um, Andy Ruiz to get the job done again and get it done in spectacular fashion, being honest. Um, I mean, this guy, uh, Ariel, also lost a main survey and got TKO'd. So, um, you know, we've, we've all seen Bermain Stavain, you know, recently. Uh, and obviously, Stavain uh, was probably a lot better back then. And, you know, the, everyone seems to remember the Bermain Stavain for what he's become now. Uh, the one that maybe turned up against Joe Joyce and, and turned up in certain other fights. But um, the one that turned up against uh, Deontay Wilder first time round um, and the one that turned up uh, against uh, Casariola probably would have been a, a good fighter. But, uh, he's also got Ariola's also got a knockout win over Eric Molina, and we've you know we've seen what Eric Molina's like happening. You know, it's just it's just a joke now at the moment. But yeah, Ariola he does have some credible wins on his record, but I just don't see how he wins this fight. Being honest, um, he's not far too much for him. Um, and in recent history, he hasn't really beaten anyone really of any note. Um, you have to, you having to go all the way. I mean, his last victory was in 2019 against Jean Pierre Augustin, who. Sounds more like a footballer than a boxer to me, even though he had a decent record, to be fair, he was 17 and 0. Not sure who we want to uh, accumulate that record, but before that, he had a win against Lorenzo Smith. Um, again, not sure who that is. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, Mario, um, what, what's he taking this fight for? Because he's, uh, to me, he's just going to be a punching bag in the fight. And I think Andy Ruiz will win this comfortably, being honest, King, a spectacular knockout. Yeah, me too. I think the same. Um, I just want Andy Ruiz to get active because he showed that he's got real talent against Anthony Joshua in the first fight. You know, really fast hands. He's awkward for a lot of fighters getting on the inside and, you know, them them uppercuts and hooks, you know, to the back of well, almost the temple, really, what he, he rocks Joshua with a lethal, I think, and he's tailor-made to beat some some heavyweights in this division. Um, I really like the Deontay Wilder fight. Whether Wilder would want that, Sam, I have no idea, but I would love to see that. And the Ruiz would destroy Deontay Wilder. Absolutely wipe the floor on. Just don't see how he's too quick for Deontay Wilder. He's far too quick. And, and you know, and people say, I've heard people say that Deontay Wilder's quicker than Joshua. I just think it's laughable, really. He's not at all. He gets beaten to the punch in every single fight. He got beaten to the punch by Luis Ortiz. Uh, you know, he's 40 twice. twice. Yeah. So I think it's bizarre that people say that. He's got a quick right hand. That's about it. You know, and, and the blueprint there is there to beat him now. If you, if you put yourself on his chest, which, listen, Andy Ruiz would like to get inside Deontay Wilder. That's, you know what I mean? He's, he's obviously the shorter man. He would want to get inside Deontay Wilder and land the big shots. Um, he doesn't want to fight at mid-range and long-range. And Wilder, you know, well, I don't know whether Wilder would be able to cope with that, to be honest. I really don't know whether he'd be able to cope with it. I think I'd fancy him to get the stoppage over Deontay Wilder, to be honest. Um, I feel like a more interesting fight and a more competitive fight would be Ruiz versus Dillian White. I think that's yeah. a definitely more competitive fight because obviously Dillian White's a heavy man himself, fixed set. Um, that'd be a battle of you know who could get inside really, and, and I feel like that'd be tough for Andy Ruiz in that fight. Uh, Dillian White, obviously someone who who, who jabs well, uh, goes down to the head, it goes up to the head and down to the body, um, and has his own weapons in terms of his own left hook. So uh, that fight's a much more competitive fight for me, and one that I'd love to see made should Andy Ruiz come through on Saturday night. 
Me too, absolutely. And I think that's a good place to leave it, Sam, definitely. Um, we want to see Andy Ruiz back fit and, and fighting some massive fights, especially over here in the UK. I'd really like to see that. Um, but yeah, we'll leave it there for tonight, Sam. Um, thank you again for your time. Thanks to the listeners. Um, enjoy this weekend of boxing. Again, BT Sport tomorrow night for Sonny Edwards, world title. Sky Sports box office on Saturday night for a blockbuster card, Chisora versus Parker. Um, and we'll we'll be enjoying it for sure, Sam, won't we? And we'll be back uh, next week as well because there's another massive fight on next weekend and that's Billy Joe Saunders against Canelo Alvarez unifying the super middleweight division. So we'll be back next week. Thank you again for listening and my thanks to Sam again. You've listened to the Ringcraft podcast brought to you by Matchday FM. You're listening to the Matchday FM podcast. Why not let us know what you think? Get in touch by searching for Matchday FM on social media. Matchday FM.